So good to have you. All right, today I want to talk to you about uh, defeating disappointment. Oh, man, who's ever been disappointed in life? Uh, and you get your hopes up. You know, isn't there a proverb that talks about <coughs> a cloud without a rain makes the heart sick? It's kind of like you're a farmer and you need, you're, you need some water on those crops and here comes the cloud and you're thinking, here it is, here it is. You know, we're so far removed from the farming generations. I think, unfortunately, we missed some of these metaphors. But here comes the cloud. Here comes the hope. Here comes the promise. It's about to come. And then it just wisps on by. Uh, I remember when I was years and years ago, I was getting ready to buy a house. And I was so excited because it was on a lake. And my dad lived on a lake. I just love the water and, and, you know, it was through a series of circumstances, it was going to be a good deal and, you know, I have to get a good deal. It's very important to me to get a good deal, right? And uh, so, but it was working out and I was all set, everything was there and the realtor uh, came by, a friend of mine, we went by the house to just check it over before we went to the closing. And when we stopped at the house, there was a guy living in the house. And we said, hmm, um, we're going to like, get the key in an hour. It looks like it might take you more than an hour to pack up, right? And uh, turns out this guy was renting the house from the owner and said to us he had no intentions of moving. And I said, uh-oh, this is a problem, right? And I, I remember we went on to, the, to the, the closing and the guys tried to say, and by the way, he, he started to express in no uncertain terms how much he disliked the, the owner of the house. So he was gonna make it messy. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? And the owner tried to tell me, oh, he'll be fine. And, it, and I got the message that this was gonna be not a good situation, that if I went through with it, I was gonna have a house with a bunch of holes in the walls. And, and I just remember, I, I had in my mind already moved in. I mean, I was on the way there. Anybody ever been there? So, and I went home and I was, I mean, I thought that afternoon, I'm like, I'm gonna get the boat there. I'm gonna be skiing that night on that lake. And I went home and I was so disappointed, just dejected because in my mind, I had been there. Anybody ever been disappointed before? Life has a way right? And it could be the job that you were promised. It could be the relationship that failed. It could be a loved one that you lost. It could be so many things that you, were, you had your hopes up for something and only to find it come crashing down. There's an interesting story in the scripture. It's the story of Samuel the prophet um, anointing Saul as the king of Israel. And there's a lot of stuff that goes into this massive disappointment, but it started out with uh, the, the children of Israel, they wanted a king because everyone else wanted a king, or I should say everyone else had a king. So they're this young ragtag group and they're starting to become a nation of their own. And they look around and they say, well, these guys have a king and these guys have a king. So we also should have a king, First Samuel. 
And, you know, God, through the prophet, he warns them all, no, you don't need a king. You don't have to do it like everybody else. By the way, what a freeing way to live your life. You don't have to do it like everybody else. I know they have a two-car garage. Nothing like a one-car garage that I used to have that you couldn't even open one of the doors. You had to position it so tightly to one side that you could get one door open. You don't have to do everything like everybody else. Too much of our stress in life, too many of our problems in life stem from the fact that we are doing things not because we need to or even even deep down we really want to. We're doing them because other people did them. And we've looked and said, "Ah, I need that. Yesterday, I was... uh, I, I took Charlie over to play with her cousins at my brother's house and and so they're both a little bit older but they have the whole sibling rivalry thing going on you know what I'm talking about and so we all get in the pool they're excited to see their cousin Charlie they just call her baby Charlie right it, she's gonna be uh, 40 and they're gonna call her baby <laughs> Charlie but we got in the pool and um, my brother blows up this giant pink flamingo I mean it you Basically, if you thought of Charlie's idea of heaven, it would be pink and giant. And flamingo is just, is, is like streets of gold, right? And she's, her eyes got so big, and she wanted on that. And as soon as the other two saw her, how bad she wanted on that, they wanted on it so bad. And they wanted to be the one showing it to her, right? And so next thing you know, we have a massive, what? We got a fight on our hands. My brother says not to fear. He has more giant inflatable things, right? And so he goes into the, and he's got the next giant thing. And the next giant thing is a duck that's like 20 feet tall, 70 feet wide. He pumps up, it fills half the pool, right? And then someone else jumps on that. And I noticed a trend. Have you ever noticed this trend? After a while, one of the kids wanted something Not because they wanted it. They wanted it purely because the other one got it first. I'll quickly abandon this duck for that turtle if it looks like you're having fun on the turtle. (laughs) And you know what I've noticed about life? This is how a lot of people live their life. They don't even like turtles, but they jump off the duck for the turtle because it looks like you're having so much fun on the turtle. Can I tell you, just have fun on your duck. Honestly, we spend half of our life fighting for floaties. Floaties that we don't even really want, but it just looks like it must be so good because it looks like somebody else is having fun. We want a king. God says, no, 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 you really don't. No, 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 we want one. We want a king. He's like, no. I know everyone else has one, and it seems like the thing to do, but you don't want one. And so the, the, the disappointment starts because, first of all, they're going after something that they really didn't need to go after in the first place. One of the reasons we get disappointed in life is because we're chasing something that we weren't meant to have anyway. Anybody ever been down this road? You just keep going and going and going and you convince yourself, I need this, I must have this. And God is screaming at you, no. And you're like, no, 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 no. And you keep going and going. And finally God, as he always does as a gentleman, okay, 
as he did with the children of Israel. You want a king? Fine, have a king. See how it works for you. Uh, who's ever gotten what you wanted and have a bucket full of remorse? Like, man, I should have listened to somebody. So they get their king. Now, not only did they get their king, but it says there, all right, Samuel takes this flask of oil. He pours it on Saul's head. So Samuel's the prophet. He, uh, he's anointing him, right? And look at it, it says, uh, God has anointed you. And he was a handsome man. And as handsome as you could find anywhere. Handsome and tall. Huh? Is that as classic as it gets? I only didn't add dark in there. Tall, dark, and handsome. This was the guy. Everything looked great. Any ever buy, anybody ever buy tall, dark, and handsome? Like, this is it. This is the one. And so they anoint him. And here's the thing that I want you to understand about this story. Because if you know the story, you know that Saul ends up to be a massive disappointment. But here's the thing you need to remember. When God gave them Saul, it was actually God's choice. Sometimes you think it's like, well, they wanted a king, they insisted on a king, and God says, okay, let's take this one. And Samuel the prophet, he anoints him. He gives it to him. Now, it was Saul's choice. Saul got a good start. He started doing some good things. But, you know, it wasn't long in, and then Saul started making some bad choices. And the next thing you know, you've got a king who is such a disappointment. And everybody's there with buyer's remorse. And here's the thing. Samuel, the prophet who anointed him, was so disappointed as well. I mean, this guy had all the potential. It goes on to say, when, he, when, when God spoke to Samuel about anointing him, he says, you're going to see all these signs, all these good signs are going to be there. And he says, look, you tell, you tell this young, young king that when, when you anoint him, all these signs are going to be with him. And he's going to be changed into a powerful and different person. And when you start down a path, you can feel like, no, all the lights are green. All the signs are good. But sometimes what we do is we deceive ourselves because we want something so bad. Anybody ever done this? Talk yourself into something? And he turns out to be this miserable failure. And, you know, the prophet Samuel, he's kicking himself. He's, he's just... And finally God comes to him and says to him, Look, look, Samuel, how long, how long are you going to mourn for this guy? How, how long are you going to grieve? You know, um, I've, I've, I've moved on. I've rejected him. And here's the thing about disappointment. I, I just want to talk about this for a minute. When you get disappointed, one of the things that you do and I do is we lock ourselves into that event. And we start to ask, say things like, I'm going to blame this person. 
if this guy wouldn't have done, you know, like I could have spent all the rest of my life blaming this guy. I mean, we had a contract, we had a deal. He broke the deal. I could, I should be in that house. I, you know, I still drive by it sometimes. You know, I could just go over and over and over it and what I should have gotten. And that leads to bitterness. You, disappointment, where you shift the blame to another person or an event or a company or an organization, you shift the blame. It's that team's fault. It's that organization. It's, it's that person. It's that event. It, what ha- look, what happens is you become bitter. And bitterness, in Hebrews it says it's like a root. you got to beware of, of this root that grows into your life. Because now what happens when you become bitter, you focus your attention on that person or that event or that thing. Now it owns you. Now it runs you. You're not focused on what God could bring next. You're not focused on the future that God has for you. You're focused on the past. You're locked into this bitterness of the past. And let's just be honest. We've all met some bitter people. And it's not good. It's not healthy. And it's sometimes it feels like they feel like they're helping themselves because they're holding on to that thing that happened. And the reality is, it's so obvious to everyone else, isn't it? Man, that bitterness is just killing you. You've got to let it, what? Let it go. Forgive, move on. God says to Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, 1, how long? How long are you going to do this? Now, nothing wrong with grieving for a while. Nothing wrong with, you know, realizing that, man, you got to sit there for a minute and kind of mourn some kind of loss. I'm going to do a series in the future. I'm working on it, on how to mourn. Because it's such an important thing. And you do need to give it some space. But you can't forever hold on to something from the past. God says to him, it's time to move on. He says to him, I've rejected him. So here's what I want you to do. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. Here's what they used to do. The prophet would have, so you you see this horn, right? And it was hollowed out and they would put oil in it. And this was the container. And when the oil, what the oil did was it was a sign. From the prophet, they poured oil on on the head of the king, and it was symbolic. God has selected this king. Here's something I want you to know. I hope you never forget it. People get really wrapped up in God's plan for their life. Fine. Fair enough. If that helps you, whatever language helps you, fine. But here's the truth. You're already on plan A, B, C, D, E, you're somewhere near G already. In other words, sure, if there's a plan, how many, you already screwed it up once, and then twice, and then this happened, and then someone else screwed it up. But here's the goodness of God, ready? This is so important. The goodness of God is he's not locked into a plan. God has a thousand plans. He can keep throwing plans at you faster. God is like Barry Sanders. He's got more moves. You say, well, the the plan is, you know, 47 off tackle blast, right? That's the plan. And Barry goes to 47 off tackle blast, but it's 
There's a giant linebacker there. So what does Barry do? By the way, my friends in Plano, Texas, I'm sorry. It's Barry Sanders, right? Not Emmett Smith all day long. I mean, I don't care. I don't care what the numbers say. I'm just saying it's like just a little, it's a little side teaching for the football crowd. But, I mean, if that hole was blocked, you just go to this hole. And then you spin around on your hand and go to this hole. And then if you need to, you go back seven yards and then start over again. And you just get, in other words, what you, what you realize is this is how life works. You draw up a plan and then something screws it up and you go into creativity mode. God is the most creative there is. Look at his creation. God's not short on ideas for you. He's, ah, oh, now what am I going to do with this guy? He's not short on ideas for you. He's like, oh, I'll do this. And then we can try this. And then we'll move there. And then we'll cut here. Barry Sanders was the most creative runner we have ever seen on this planet. Huh? And Barry Sanders, I said, is like God, but he is nothing compared to God. God just keeps pivoting and changing and shifting. And for your life, to think like Samuel just lost it. He's like, no, but Saul was so handsome. Do you know that, do you realize that most of us don't even know the story of Samuel anointing Saul? Because we've all moved on from it. But we all know the story of Samuel anointing David. Everybody look here. You're spending way too much time on the Saul section of your life. That thing's over, bro. That's over. He says, fill, the, fill it with oil. Let's get on to the David. David is the great king. God has something so much better in store for you. So get your anointing thing ready. Get your own little thing. huh? And maybe some of you should do this physically. You should actually do this. You should go to your next job resume, you know, and, and, and go to your next whatever it is and take some oil and just pour it on there. If, you're, if it's your computer, don't do that. Find something else. But, you know, print it up first. But pour it on there and say, God, you're going to anoint this next thing. God doesn't just have one shot anointing. I'm just going to, this is the only thing I'm going to bless. That didn't work. That's okay. We got a better one. God has a better one. God is not tied to one plan for your life. Isn't that really incredibly good news? And don't get caught in bitterness and blaming. It's okay. It could be a person. It could be an event. It could have been the economy. It, it doesn't matter. God's bigger than all of that. As we sang today about the greatness, he's bigger than all of that. So there's two things that, that, just, that just ruin us. One is bitterness and blaming, and the other is guilt. Because sometimes we're the screw-up, and we know it. I mean, you can look at some events in your life, and you can just go, man, I got handed a bad deal by this boss or this person or whatever this is. But sometimes we're the screw-up. We're, we're, the, we're the mess maker. And so what, what happens is we have this little voice in our head telling us over and over again, you messed it up. You messed up a good thing. 
God had a good plan for you, and you messed up your life. Everybody look here. That's a lie. That is a forever lie. Don't you ever believe that lie? Everybody in this room is messed up. The person on this platform has messed up. You're going to mess up again before it's over. Guilt cannot drive or dominate your life. That's why we have Christ. He died for us, right? To, for forgiveness of our sins, to let all of this stuff go. And that's why you want to let other people's mistakes go because God's letting yours go. That's what forgiveness is. It's this thing that keeps getting handed through. Blaming and bitterness will just drown your future, but so will guilt. So will you camping on this idea that somehow you've made the unpardonable sin. It doesn't happen. The best thing to do, um, the best thing to do when you, when you start to think this way, there's a great story. There's a great story um, in the Old Testament. It's in Leviticus. I, I think it's around chapter 16. I could be wrong, but it, it talks about the scapegoat. And they have these incredible stories and metaphors and ways of helping people. And what they would do is they would gather the people together. Just think of this. This is so great. And they would take one goat and they would symbol the, 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 the chief of priests would put his hands on the goat's head. And it, it, it was symbolically, it was like, everybody confess your sin. Let's get them all out. Let's get it all out there. And they put it on this goat's head. And then he ran out of the camp. He was gone. That's where we got the word scapegoat. The goat has left the building. Everybody remember this. The next time guilt is trying to run your life, you just remember the goat has left the goat. They see the goat all over the mountain somewhere, and they're like, there it goes. It's gone. That's your mistake. It's gone. It's gone. It does you no good. It gives you no energy. It gives you no vision. It gives you no focus because you're so focused on the mistake that you made. And everybody makes some. Everybody does. The goat has left the building. Your mistake. How freeing was that for everybody? Do you understand why, they, why these things happened? Why these rituals started? It was to free people. God wants to free you for, for your future so that you know you have a good future. How many times have I come back to this very simple and unbelievably profound scripture verse? In all things... God works for the good. In all things, God works for the good. Romans 8, 28. Why? Not all things are good, but God works them for good. Before you leave, most people will be able to walk out and see a special piece of artwork in the back, back of the worship center. Broken Jesus. Right? It was an incredible piece of artwork. I, I met the artist out in California one day, and I saw him doing this 
And I was mesmerized as he took all of these broken skateboards. He's a border surfer, by the way, so I had to give him extra kudos for that. He's take all these broken skateboards and makes a masterpiece out of them. And he was making this mosaic of Christ. I was mesmerized and I, 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 I got, got a hold of him and I said, you, you have to do one of these for Orchard Grove, you have to. And, and he's like, oh, I don't know. And I just assumed that that's what he did all the time. And he told me he, that was the first one he'd ever done and it took him months to do. And I said, I'll give you a week. <laughs> and we flew him out here and he spent a week taking little shards of broken skateboards. And there it is, this incredible masterpiece. And he would put one little piece on and he'd have to run all the way across the room to see how it fit in. Here's the problem, here's the problem. You're too close. You ever talk to somebody that's too close to their mess? You're too, you're too caught up in it. You're too caught up in the mistake. The people that can do it, they run across the room. They get the big vision. God's got a big vision for you, but you got to step away from the problem, the brokenness. And what God does, masterful artist that God is, he just takes every broken piece of your life and he just makes a masterpiece out of it. Go, God. That's unbelievable. How do you deal with all the disappointment? You put it in an artist's hands and you let him work. No one here wants to keep repeating mistakes. Of course not, that's not the point. The point is the reality is that we all make them. We all have brokenness, but God always makes beauty out of brokenness, guaranteed. That's what he does. He's never out of ideas. And he's certainly not out of ideas for you. 